Hi, I'm licensed eye psychologist, Dr. Cliffy Lewis, and I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Roll intro. We don't want to get sued, so we're going to be like super vague. Ah! First mistake. How are you a manager and unable to deal with conflict? <laughs> if nothing else, I'm balanced. Welcome to the season one finale of The Management Tool, the show about psychology, employment, and management, where my esteemed guests and I talk about why what you're doing is wrong. Joining me today is my friend Emma, who I've never called Emma before in our entire lives, who has 10 years, over 10 years of experience in media operations and now specifically within social tech. We're going to be talking about empathy, em empathy. <laughs> We're going to be talking Emma about who? Emma. Yeah, Emma. Who? We're going to be talking about empathy in the workplace. Hi, Emma. Welcome to the show. Hi, Cliff. Thanks so much for having me on. I just cannot truly believe we're here talking about something remotely serious. It's <laughs> Likewise, crazy. I'm trying to decide whether I am having a stroke. I'm super um, anxious about the fact that we're having a serious conversation and not just talking about boys. Or if it really is the heat. I don't know if any of my two listeners can see. I'm sweating buckets. <laughs> I'm sweating buckets. It's a rag. You have a full-on sweat rag there. I always, I always have a sweat rag. Yeah, even though I'm not calling you by the name that I usually call you. I'm don't, keeping... don't do it. I'm not going to do it. Funny, <laughs> and none of them are suitable. Not one. <laughs> no, not a one. Um... But yeah, just for any of my two listeners watching, um, I'm not having a stroke. It is just really hot. And I finally got my microphone to work after like six months. <laughs> and my AC is super loud and it picks it up. And my fan obviously will interfere. So I'm just going to have to power through because that's just how the cookie is crumbling today. But yeah, um, hi Emma, it is lovely to have you on the show. I'm super excited to be talking to you about stuff that we usually never, well, that we have never talked about. Never. Like the fact that we both have careers is just mind boggling to me. Right. You know? I write a PhD. How? Uh, no, like that, I refuse to believe it. <laughs> I, like, I know you have it all in the back there, but fake news. Like, it's all smoke <laughs> and mirrors. <laughs> literally that is a filter it's not real so um the show is all about roasting people for being bad <clears throat> but uh, my tagline is i'm nothing if not balanced so we start the show with something more positive an example of someone who's actually doing something right and today that person her name is laura if i could just quickly find the link. So this segment is called the sharpest tool in the shed. So today's sharpest tool in the shed is Flora, sorry, not Laura, Flora Collingwood Norris, a knitwear designer, maker and mender based in Scotland, where you are. You're currently in Scotland Woo! still, right? No, I'm back down south, but... 
All right. Scottish through and through. Scottish through and through. What's for you will nigger pasture? Is that that's the one right that you taught me? What's for you will nigger pasture? Yes, I can't believe you remembered that. That's that amazing. Was, that yes. was the, that was the first video we did together and actually published on the internet. It has since been made private, so don't try to go look for it. <laughs> <laughs> so just as well. Against the backdrop of an increasing awareness of the need to change our attitudes towards what we wear, to use fewer resources, and to avoid waste, Flora has been offering visible mending workshops and creating digital mending guides for the last two years. So essentially what Flora does is um, the, yeah, the, the term that they use is visible mending. And so they cite she specifically focuses on knitwear and instead of like if you can imagine like um, a man's a, a man's jacket with those patches on the elbows kind of to mm-hmm. you know uh, hide the fact that there was some kind of mending happening she takes a different approach and says no clothes getting holes in them is a normal part of you know how things work and what happens so instead of trying to hide it we embrace it as a natural part of the garment and just make it prettier through mending um and so she does workshops and digital uh, materials on doing that and so obviously she is the sharpest tool in the shed because she is doing her part for sustainability and the environment i love that i wish i had that creativity right like i have none of that like basic as they come like i would have no clue where to even begin with something like this so well, that's why we on, have flora. people like flora and like it's right. so it's so cute and like not just creative but actually making that creativity work for well for herself because i'm sure she's making some coin but also working for society right? so thanks for your work flora i will link all of your stuff in the description below cool i love it now let's get into the real reason we are here. We wanna, we, we're gonna discuss um, empathy in the workplace. So let's get right into it. Bloomberg <clears throat> recently reported, and you may have heard of this, Emma, um, that CEO Vishal Garg, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Vishal, Vishal, um, called a hasty Zoom meeting with 900 employees, about 15% of the company, to invite them all to no longer work for the company. <laughs> yes, I, I witnessed you've, this first. You've heard. Yeah, I, mm. last week it was. Wild. It was horrendous. Um, in a post-firing meeting, uh, Insider reports that Garg told the remaining employees um, the he should have canned the others long ago. Anybody working for Garg. Garg might have um, first gotten a clue about his judgment of their skills last year when Forbes reports he emailed them, you are too damn slow. You are a bunch of dumb dolphins. Wow. Lots of empathy. Lots of empathy there, right? He sounds like my ex-boyfriend. That's what he sounds like. (laughs) That, that... We're not, we're not saying that. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, he's getting zero airtime. Are you kidding me? 
kind Ew. of okay. I'll put, anyway, I'll, I'll put I, a little I'll... thing over my mouth. Um, yeah. So right. So that's clearly not the way to go. Um, clearly. How would you have? Because see, this is the thing. I also sometimes feel like people are too slow and that they're basically a bunch of dumb dolphins, which isn't a very good analogy because dolphins are fairly intelligent. Right. So really, oh, also before we get into it, let's just be really, really shallow. I Googled this Vishal person and honestly, he looks like, he looks like who really got bullied. And yes, I know you shouldn't, but I think people, I mean, right. And it's interesting that we're here to talk about empathy. I mean, what are the chances? <laughs> like, I just, I need, just needed, needed to purge that from my system. And so sure. my thing is, I, I also sometimes feel people are really stupid. Right. But that doesn't mean that you have to say it. <laughs> certainly not. And I think in a in a situation, I mean, certainly not in a workplace. No. I think on you, Zoom. No. On, <laughs> on mute on Zoom. Um, no, I think you know, in that particular instance where he is responsible for X number of people and delivering a message that is damning in that people will you know people's livelihoods at least in the short term are massively affected to have zero empathy having also called them dumb dolphins in the past yep. isn't a leader the way that i see leadership is that it has to have empathy at its core these people or you are only a product of yourself because of the people that work for you. If you think they are dumb dolphins, that's actually not their problem. That is your problem. You've done a poor job at guiding, at leading, at managing, at delegating. And therefore, it's up to you to fix the dumb dolphins. Again, a term I would never use in no, my entire life. Um, no, that's actually um, a good point. I saw earlier today, I was scrolling through LinkedIn on a Sunday, on the Lord's Day, I was on LinkedIn. Um, and someone... <laughs> And someone had posted, attention micromanagers, if you can't trust your employees to work from home, you've hired the wrong people, or your management style needs updating, either way, either way you're the problem. And I think that can definitely be applied, as you said, to empathy as well. It's really like it's you. Like, why are they dumb dolphins? Haven't they, haven't they been trained? Um, are they maybe in the wrong position? Um, yeah. Don't you they have... You haven't taken the time... To know these people, you've hired them on the assumption that they can do the job. I mean, I interviewing is another thing that I struggle with because you know how can you possibly know someone after you know an hour of talking to them? But anyway, you you hired this person. You've they're in your company. They're your responsibility, and it's up to you to be shaping them in the way that you want for the business to run. And again, you are nothing if those people are not there running your business basically on your behalf, they are the representation of you. So the only dumb friggin' dolphin, whatever your name is, Vishal, is you. Is you. Yeah. You dumb yeah, dolphin. You're the dumb dolphin. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, like, I haven't been following this 
saga. Um, I just saw it and I thought it would be a good a good little anecdote for our episode. But I would be very surprised if he's keeping his job because, like, first the Forbes thing, now the Zoom thing. What board is going to keep this clown on? Like, honestly. Right. And who's going to want to work for him or with him? I mean, the respect is gone. Another thing which I think is so important is empathy as a whole is like it has to come from a place of respect. You have to respect each other both ways. Um, and, you know, the people that are left in that company will surely have zero for him now. The productivity and the work that they do will surely diminish. They'll be looking for other opportunities. Or I hope they will be. And yeah, he absolutely has to go. He doesn't deserve the privilege of leading, which it is. It's a yep. privilege to be in that position. And it's a privilege to be, it's, well, it's a huge responsibility to be tasked with those people's careers, which is what he he had. And he's he's ruined that. So get the dumb dolphin back to SeaWorld, okay? <laughs> Let me say that in a language that you understand, Vishal. <laughs> We don't like Vishal. Bye, sir. Mm -mm. So, so yeah. So, like the moral imperative is is one thing. Obviously, you should be empathetic and treat people as human beings, regardless. Um, but it's like you said, who's going to have respect? Who's going to want to stick around? It like he's really shooting himself in the foot because just from a talent attraction perspective and he what was the what's the company that he works for is it's a tech company right better better.com yeah um i think so yeah i think it was, mm. it was, was it mortgages or something there was some i forget yeah. what the business was but yeah it was um, tech, tech based and if if any industry needs to be at the forefront of attracting the latest best highest level of talent it's tech so yeah, Vishal. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Um, <laughs> but now I wanted to ask you, Emma Jane Porches, or no, we're not going to say your full name. Oh, we, we can, because people are going to want to cyber stalk you anyway. Yeah, you can say, yeah, can say In, Anyway, yeah. so. Say my name. Say my name, say my name. Unless I am Vishal, then I want to but. but. <laughs> Oh, this poor man is getting dragged <laughs> across the whole of the internet. Anyway, so I wanted to ask you, as I said, I sometimes to. I also feel mm -hmm. like the people around me are dumb dolphins, but obviously I'm not going to say that. So, and people are, the conversation around empathy sometimes for me borders on, I don't know if you've heard of the, 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 the term or the concept of toxic positivity and where like... Right. We, we need to be like a flat organizational structure and super collaborative and everyone needs to get along. And that's not always possible. Mm -hmm. um, and so how, I mean, we're sold on the idea that we need to have empathy and it needs to be an empathetic work environment. And when there's psychological safety, uh, people just, you know, can innovate and be better and, and learn and all of these things. But how do you maintain empathy when you feel like the people around you are dumb dolphins, even though you're not saying it, how? <laughs> yeah, that's, it is tricky. And I've definitely been um, somebody that has had a bit of toxic 
positivity where I've skimmed over issues and not addressed the elephant in the room for fear of upsetting or, you know, um, just avoiding that difficult conversations because those kind of conversations where you have to address, you know, somebody maybe not performing at the level that you expect, etc., is really, really difficult, especially when you have an empathic personality, which I do anyway outside of the workplace. The way I see it though, and I've had to frame it for myself, is to believe because it is true that feedback is kind in any way shape or form that you give it because the end goal the ultimate thing you want to achieve is this person to be better in their current function to develop their career to be on the right trajectory uh, in terms of the business and in your mind repositioning this difficult conversation where you have to say to somebody you know that wasn't up to scratch or we need to pivot and we need to look at it from this perspective and change the way that we're, we're doing things comes from a place of good. We want the best for that person. Um, so I think it's just about reframing the conversation, certainly for myself, because of the difficulty that I have with sort of sharing that negativity um, and knowing and believing it comes from a good place. Now, when you've built that relationship with your team, like if we go back to the conversation we were just having, if you've built the respect with that people already, they will also believe that despite the fact it's maybe slightly negative feedback, if we want to call it that, that it comes from a place of good. And so it's twofold. You have to have built that relationship first, that trust and respect, and then deliver the message coming from that place of let's figure this out together and let's get you to the place that we need you to be. <clears throat> Sounds fair enough and um, practical. Um, but now I want to throw another spanner in the works and ask you, I agree that it's the responsibility of a person in a leadership role or in a decision-making role to drive this more empathetic way of engaging. But we often forget that leaders are people too and have feelings too. <clears throat> so if you're approaching everything that you're doing, feedback from a positive perspective and frame it around respect and empathy but the people that you are trying to communicate with is not showing you any empathy they're not considering the pressure that you're under they're not ex you know considering your your experiences as a person as well how do you how do you approach that and maintain empathy and not just go well, well I you. Think yeah no, I know. Well, one thing that we have done, and as you know, I'm in tech and yeah, I would say tech companies are very much at the forefront of this new culture of kindness, empathy, creativity, but, you know, really not that sort of toxic corporate media background that's very harsh, get the job done and, you know, on people to get to the top environment. I would say that in a company like this, you know, you don't succeed as if you're an fact okay. your your performance reviews have within them elements of how you behave as an individual and how you know you take on feedback how you give feedback as leaders in my company i am scrutinized constantly for my ability to do my job as a manager i would say my harshest critics are my team we have had an open forum where feedback is 
shared both ways. It's by no means from the top down. In fact, our company leaders are positioned at the bottom of the pyramid, if you want to call it hierarchy, as leaders and supporters, right? We are a safety net to support, unblock, and have the, you know, the teams sit above us and they come to us as their, as their safety at the bottom. So, you know, it has to be embedded in the culture and it has to be rewarded upon that. And if you are an asshole, you will not succeed. Fact. Okay. And you're seeing that that is actually, that is actually happening because I love hearing that. Um, and I have working in development and behavioral change. I often see organizations having these sort of behavioral aspects of uh, how performance is, is managed and mm, measured. And you often see development interventions where people get taught, well, this is how you can give feedback in a positive way, and this is how you should work with people. But it isn't really integrated into how we operate on a day-to-day -day basis. So after you've gone for training, then you know, there has to be some kind of metric and some kind of consequence if that metric isn't at a level what it should be. And now you're saying that that, is, that does actually happen. There is that golden thread and it is all the way to the end. That feedback actually matters and makes a material difference. Absolutely. Okay. That's good to 100%. hear because I like often see... Yeah. So go ahead. No, no, no. I was just, I was just exactly just saying is what you said, which was that it is physically tangible in front mm. of you marked. And also not only that, you have to have your peers comment on your effectiveness as it pertains to kindness, empathy in the workplace. So not only do you have to prove that you're behaving in this way, your peers also have to grade you on that scale as well. Right. So there's no, <clears throat> there's no instance where, say, for example, you're someone who is an absolute terror and your peers and your subordinates like have a really hard time working with you. It's a very unpleasant experience, but you meet your targets and exceed your targets all the time. So you're saying in your organization, even though if you meet your targets and exceed your targets and bring in money for the organization, but everyone hates working with you, you're still not going to get ahead. 100%. Yeah. And it's been a real shift in perspective, because I think especially when you're in a sales environment, I'm not within a sales team, but I have always worked closely with sales team. And I came from a very corporate traditional publisher where, you know, it was cutthroat, like to get to the top, you bashed your way up there. And that was seen as being, uh, you know, achieve achievement, right? Like you're mm. doing the you're getting folk out the mm. way you're getting to the top and good on you like that was what you strive to be um in this new world of sort of startup-esque tech that i'm now in i was i was never quite like that although my approach was definitely harsher in the corporate world because it mm. had to be like that was mm. the culture that was what was embedded within the organization coming out of that i've had to i think more easily for me given my nature anyway have more of the kindness in my work, be more of a team player, understand that working together is the only way to succeed, despite all the other stuff. Now, you know, the other way that you position it, and unfortunately with performance reviews, there's these friggin' boxes that I hate because I think putting people in a box is wrong. 
But if you sway more the other way, where you're very kind and empathic, right? But toxic positivity, you can't give negative feedback. You don't Mm. get the job done because you don't want to step on people's toes Mm. or, you know, there's ways in which you can do that, but it has to be in the right way. You also don't get anywhere on that side of the house either. You've got to be somewhere in between where you can get the job done, but you do it in the right way. Um, And to your point, no, either one of those two, you will not succeed. Meet in the middle, you're gunning for it, you're good for it, off you go. So what would you then say, um, so I work with uh, a lot with startups and small businesses, and often when you're strapped for cash and you really have to, you know, bring the money in, um, in order to survive, I mean, it's a re- it's a, it's a reality and you do want to build for the future and you want to be more of a flat structure and be more empathetic. What advice, if any, would you give a, a, a growing business, a smaller business or a startup who has been more target focused, but now wants to kind of shift into being more of this balanced, having more of a balanced view? and and building for the future based on empathy and 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 kindness how do you make that shift i think of course the crux of it is the people that you hire and and hoping that they have those attributes in the very beginning if they don't and you already have a very well established team but the culture isn't that of kindness empathy and that more cutthroat environment i think at the very top whoever is leading the business has to close the door and leave their ego out there. Mm. Because if from the top, you can shut that out and not have that impact you as a person, you come, it sounds cheesy, but you bring your best self, you bring the real you. There's no fear of if you show vulnerability and who you are as a person that you're going to, you know, have a knock on effect of, you know, people, thinking like, well, this isn't the strong leader I was expecting. Being human, like Mm. I really genuinely believe that if you can connect with a leader at the top that is able to, like what we were saying in the beginning, have that human element to them. They still wake up in the morning, put their pants on and brush their teeth and, you know, worry about their kids. And, you know, they are... Everybody And remembering that even when you are having... Everybody poops. An elephant makes a big poop. A mouse makes a tiny poop. (laughs) But it's just, it's just about having that, that human element. In my organization that I work at now, we do something that when I joined felt very, very foreign and strange to me. And it's a practice that's called. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the business I work for is uh, Californian based. Um, I tell the story to the people I, I work with all the time about when I joined, we were lucky to all meet in California and do this practice of which is effectively sitting in a circle and sharing stories. Now, as a Scottish woman, right, right. that was to me the most terrifying thing in my friggin' life. I mean, whilst I do have empathy and talk about my feelings and I'm pretty emotional in my day-to-day life to come into a work environment and share stories with people that I would be working with as my colleagues and it's not stories about work it's stories about life it's really getting to know people it's it's you know nothing to it can be to do with the workplace but generally it's not um 
it was absolutely terrifying. I thought it was only a cult. I was like, what the actual F is going on right. here? But what that practice has done is it's brought together people of every layer of the organization. So it doesn't matter when you walk into that council room, what someone's position is, what their title is, what they do day to day. You sit down literally on the floor in a circle, you have a facilitator and you talk about anything and everything. So it could be to do with, I don't know, let's say it's spring. It's talking about, tell me about a time where you enjoyed a spring day, like the most broadest thing ever. And it can deepen into other areas and topics of conversation. But the theme of it is that you listen intently to the people around you without thinking of what you're going to say next. Mm. And you practice not always rehearsing what you're going to say. And it just gives you this completely different um, vibe within the business, right? That you can then walk out and you'll realize that you've been sitting down having a talk about what you, you know, the daffodils you like in spring with the CTO of the business. And you're like, oh my God, like <laughs> that was you? Like, it just brings everybody down to the ground. The egos are left at the door. You are human, you are people. Yes, you have a job to do, but remembering that we are, you know, there's not that much differences between us, right? Like we, when there doesn't need to be, and there's certainly not that fear of, you know, hierarchy yeah. and well, oh, I can't talk to you because you're this person or, you know, it just brings people down to the ground. So I would say back to your point of like a small business, how to ingrain that culture or, or, or how to create that culture. It's, it's really just leaving the ego at the door in whatever way or shape that you want to do that. That would just be one example of how we do it. I love that story because when you when you said the first thing, I when you said, uh, you know, shutting the door in your ego and leaving the, the ego outside, the first thing that I thought was very restrictive in that I was like, mm, yeah, you need to be, you need to have a certain level of maturity to be aware of your ego and how that might affect relationships and being able to leave that at the door. But clearly that understanding was wrong because the example, the story you just shared shows that you don't have to have a, a, a certain level of maturity to do that. If you have structures in place and opportunities in place to humanize each other, like for example, this, this circle, it doesn't require of one single person to have the appropriate level of maturity to drive certain interactions. The organization just created opportunities for that to happen. And at least from what you're sharing, it worked. Absolutely. I mean, the stories that we have shared in those circles haven't just been, you know, a spring day. They have been actually across really difficult topics that we have employee resource groups in my company, which are effectively um, groups of people that come together with a like minded um not necessarily goal, but a common common theme. We have a group called um Noir, um, and it is our black community within the company coming together and sharing their own stories, right? We have a women's group, we have um, a group called Kaleidoscope, which brings together where there's overlaps of intersectionality within, you know, the organization. Ooh, intersectionality! Comfort. Love it! Hey! Um, but, but people have that common ground with each other. 
And, and what council does is it also gives opportunities for people that aren't within those groups to listen. So for example, one of the practices that happens is there'll be a council with any one of those ERGs that happens. And then outside of that circle, people who are not within those groups are invited to listen, to hear the experiences of different groups of people, of what you know their experiences have been, their lives are like, just anything so that they have an understanding of people that are not like themselves. So like we were talking about, you know, leaving the ego at the door and like realizing you've had a conversation with the CTO about spring day, you also then get the opportunity if people feel comfortable. And of course, without super high levels of psychological safety, this cannot happen. Yeah, yeah. But you have an even deeper understanding of the people you work with by hearing you know what their experiences in life have been like the only way that you will learn is somebody who hasn't experienced that and that just heightens your ability to have a working relationship with them 20 fold 30 fold 40 fold because you know them more deeply as a human now not everybody in an organization wants their work to be that ingrained in their lives right some people want to get to the office do the job and leave and there's certainly opportunity for that but having those moments where if you want to and it's safe in order and it's safe, sorry, to do so, all those opportunities are there. And those are so, so important for building that kindness and empathy culture within an organization. It's not enough just to say, be kind and empathic and, you know, be a good team player. You have to deeply, you know, make that effort to try and understand and know the people that you work with. Yeah, and this is such an amazing tool. It's so, I mean, obviously it needs to be facilitated correctly. Otherwise it has the opportunity to, or the potential to blow up in your face. Um, but it's such a simple act right? Um, with, I think, a profound impact. Um, and, you know, m- my approach being, you know, focusing on leaders and leadership, I, I kind of have the... The tendency to go okay well the leader needs to have certain a certain level of emotional intelligence and a certain level of maturity and kind of putting all of that responsibility on the leader but actually yeah again uh, probably sound like a broken record now if you just create these kinds of rich uh, opportunities for these rich exchanges yeah i think and that that's something you can do in a small organization you don't need a massive hr budget to do that Maybe the most expensive part is getting a facilitator, a skilled facilitator, but that's not that expensive. And um, and you can do it in a, in a small organization. That's really great. Thanks for sharing that. I haven't heard of that practice before. Yeah, it's been very, very impactful within our organization. And, you know, aside from the niceties of getting to know somebody, learning to listen mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the key practices are listen from the heart, be lean. So don't be, you know, to give too much details in your answers, allow other people to speak. It's listen to the listen from the heart, keep it lean and keep it lean, fat phobic. <laughs> <laughs> I've never kept, I've never kept it lean in my life. Um, but the, 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 a really good practice in it, which I do want to touch on, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, is this idea of listening really deeply. 
And when you're listening deeply, you are not rehearsing what you're about to say next. It's mm. so easy to, when someone's talking to you, be biting at the bit to mm. say your piece afterwards. Like, mm. you know, I have something to say about that without yeah. letting the person finish and really hearing what they're saying. And the spon I, that's it, it's be spontaneous. That's uh. the other one. And because it, it forces you to be spontaneous and also, when you're in a circle and somebody's talking and they're all given a chance to speak, by the time you thought you were going to say something after this person spoke, you'll have something else to say after this person has spoken because the conversation evolves. And it's just such a good practice in life just to listen to people deeply. And that translates into meetings and, and other things as well in the business. You know, I'm sure council has helped with lots of other more business related things. I think listening is just for sure one of them. But what an important lesson to learn that we're not ever taught. We're always so keen to have something to say, to be heard. And mm. actually listening is yeah. probably the most effective thing that you can do. And it's and it's so it's so I mean, if you if you do any kind of communications training, you know, listen, attent attentive listening is kind of a, a cliche at this point. Um but it's really not as, as simple as just listening. It's that being spontaneous and reserving judgment and reserving your potential response and li li like literally just blank slate listening to that person. Another thing that I, uh, at the risk of not being um, spontaneous <laughs> and biting at what you've said earlier, um, what I wanted to say is one of the, the big uh, kind of sort of themes within the diversity and inclusion discourse is that of the business case ver versus the moral case. And so the moral case is we should just maintain and promote diversity and inclusion in organizations because it's the right thing to do regardless of if it brings in money. And in the business case, obviously, you know, if you promote diversity and inclusion, it has an impact on the bottom line. And I think this practice of empathy and maybe empathy is a solution or, um, or not a solution, a mechanism to bring those two together and to unify the two sort of competing discourses. And so, because from what you've said and your experience in this practice and this opportunity in the organization, it almost sounds like situated in empathy is is kind of a way to address both the business case and the moral case for inclusion in your organization because it has an automatic impact on business outcomes, but it also has an impact on people's lived experiences organically, it does so organically. Absolutely. And of course, like any tech company in 2021, you know, diversity and inclusion is at the forefront of what we do not only because of the importance in the wider world and we have to do better we absolutely just have to but we are a company that serves a global community and for so long we had been a business that had been us primarily driven and based uh we can't serve a global community if we don't have a diverse you know group of people diverse perspectives um, but also if we, you know, we also need to internally implore and, you know, explore those perspectives as well. So yeah, it's absolutely hand in hand. Um, but as you say, that practice gives a really, really good starting point for internally. And it's been difficult 
like for the people that have these lived experience that are willing to share I have so much uh, just I'm, I'm awe-inspired by them for what they've been willing to share so vulnerably with people they really don't know like you know these are you, you do know the people you work with to an extent but you know you, you know a piece of them um being willing to share in that way is just yeah incredible but I'll stop there on that because we've We've done it to death, but it's a really, really good practice. No, and I can amazing. share links out to some of the, um, some of the um, practices that we, we do. And it's so easy, the prompts. Like Even in our meeting rooms, we have little cards with prompts. So before the meeting, you can kick off by just, you know, going around the circle and asking people questions. It's, it's, a, nice, it's a nice thing. It's a nice to have. I, um, I have 10 research projects in mind, which we can discuss um offline <laughs> lovely let's do it um right so i am about to dehydrate so i need to turn the fan on me on full so i'm gonna have to Fine. i'm gonna have to let you go Perfect. emma this I'm was an more. amazing conversation i am in awe of the amazing stuff that you do and your organization but also in awe of us for being able to have a professional, formal conversation. Yay, us. Ting. Shook. Absolutely freaking shook. We should do this again. I've enjoyed it. It's actually been nice. Okay, just kidding. Never want to do this again. (laughs) Yes, well, you could be the season finale of season two as well. I love coming in at the end. Yay! If my two viewers want to cyberstalk you, where can they find you? Despite working in social tech, I am not really readily available. I obviously have LinkedIn, so Emma Jane Porches. I can fire over my profile. Um, hit me up. Uh, but that that's my main that's my main one. Cool. I want to say thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate you sharing your amazing insights. I definitely look forward to chatting to you about that a little bit more and maybe um, embarking on some research projects together. And till season two, which I don't know when that's going to be because editing has been an uphill battle. Um, Don't be a management tool and see you next time. Bye.